It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday february 4th and you're listening to episode 453 as always i'm your host jason here today joined by our second mentee of the new tabletop mentorship uh partnership i'm very very excited to have raven mckenzie with me how you doing raven hi i'm pretty good how are you very good very good i'm excited to uh be able to chat with you officially on the show um, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, as a, as a game designer and as a, well, as a person, as a game designer, <laughs> as a mentee, <laughs> right, I'm all of those things in theory. No, but, um, so, um, I got into board games in general about seven years ago ish. Um, like many people, my first game was Catan, and then it went to, from there to Dominion, Carsicone, and several others. Um, I got into game design more recently, um, back in May, um, is when I actually, it was something that I've always wanted to do, and it's been like, you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be cool if there was a game about X, Y, and Z, or I'd love to see this mechanic in a different setting or whatnot. Um, but it was always on that. I will do it someday, someday. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but then in May, I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do it, I might as well start now, uh, especially since I'd wanted to go to Gen Con uh, this year. And then this year, ha- or well, I should say last year, it still yeah. feels like 2020 yeah. in some regards. It, but... It's basically 2020 part <laughs> two. It's, you know... Exactly. Um, but I did go online. I went to several other conferences online, um, joined some Discord channels, uh, started working on a couple of games, uh, and got connected with uh, the Tabletop Mentorship Program and, and several mm-hmm. other um, opportunities. And here I am. Awesome. I'm, so I'm I'm curious, as you kind of went through this, first of all, we started a lot alike. You know, I was I started designing... 10 years ago or so now 11 i guess I, I can yeah it's about 11 now i guess it's 2021 and i started off i was playing random games and then i played Catan and things then i got a little interested but like what was it for you when when you find because you know you said oh i fought for years you know hey i could i could design something ah someday like what was it for you that finally clicked and you were like no i want to do this like i want to design like was there a moment where something clicked for you just like I was honestly looking at the games I have looking at kind of remembering the feelings it was to play them with people kind of also looking at the different boxes who's who or what was on the boxes and just thinking you know if I'm going to do something like this um if I'm not going to do it now when I have, you know, not going out to do social things with X, Y, and Z or mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. a lot of after work uh, commitments, then when am I actually going to do it? <laughs> right, right. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, and did you, did you have any contacts inside the community when you started out or was it, was it pretty fresh for you? I was very yeah, right? in silo. <laughs> that is... That's difficult. You know, I know for myself, when I first started, I had my friend Rob, who I was designing with, who also knew no one in the industry. <laughs> and it was just a, we'd been to Gen Con a few times. So we kind of understood that like small publishers are there and stuff. And, you know, it just kind of went from there. But yeah, right. I, it's it's weird, um, especially for you, you starting this the last year, 
when, you know, like Jamie and I talked about too, you, you start in the year where everybody's kind of siloed because we're stuck in our own silos and getting to meet people can be, can be a little harder. Yeah. And it's definitely, um, kind of compounding that, um, I've moved around a lot for work. I'm currently in Michigan, but I was in Alabama for a couple of years, Japan for a couple of years, Minnesota for a couple months. It was too cold. I couldn't stay there, uh, but, uh, so that definitely, um, also made it difficult. I got to Michigan in January, got to a couple mm-hmm. of game nights and then, you know, those, those stopped happening. Right. So, right. Right. Um, but Discord, yeah, I, um, yeah. Discord, right? Yeah, Discord's here. I was just thinking one of these things is not like the other when you said Alabama, Michigan, Minnesota, and Japan. <laughs> right. You know, um, definitely it's funny. Whenever I talk to people who've moved around, it's always been either school, work, or family. It seems to be right. uh, very yeah. uh, the top three reasons for Right. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that are like, you know, I just decided I was just going to move to Norway. Like, I'm just going to do it. Like, you know, I mean, there were times in the last four years when my wife and I had serious discussions about like other countries in the world. But uh, yeah, right. (laughs) Well, that's interesting. So um, so you did you actually did get to go to a a couple physical game nights like as a designer or like when you first were starting out designing? No, those were still as just a... I don't want to say just it as, as a person who enjoys board right. games. Right. Right. No, I get you. Like as an, as a interested game player who was looking to do something a little more with it, I get you. Yes. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that as game designers or even before you're a game designer, we tend to, when you're playing a game, right. And you start to feel that like, you know, if I did this game, I, I would have made this a little different. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking, like, who am I? Who am I? This is a published game. Like, right? it's like you don't like. Who am I to? How? And then, and then it, I realized, like, that's basically what we are, right? Is we're taking, like, I mean, most games, you, the most things you're doing, mechanics, rules, whatever, like, they're not completely unique or created like in a vacuum, right? Like, mm-hmm. they are impacted by something else. So essentially, we're all house ruling things every day, right? That's how we're designing. It's just very drastic house ruling, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, very true. So, um, so I know that you, um, you obviously, uh, as part of the mentorship program, you did that for, uh, three months, uh, ish. Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, ended at the end of last year, just before the end of last year and like in November. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, what was, I'm curious, what was, what was that experience like for you? Um, that experience was awesome. Um, I definitely, that was one of the first steps I took to, towards getting out of my bubble of designing mm-hmm. myself, yeah. working with other people. Um, and so my mentor, um, his name is Clarence Simpson. Um, he was just super helpful in, uh, between motivation, uh, providing resources, got me acquainted with Cardboard Edison, um, all oh, the various yes. playtesting groups, um, and a lot of just good advice about, um, you know, what kind of games to make or, you know, not feeling pressured about making a certain type of game, um, getting more connected into the board gaming community. Um, and also, of course, accountability, um, because when you have yeah. on something, <laughs> um, 
if there's if there's anything game designers need more than anything, it's accountability. I feel like yeah. anybody who's creative, right? Accountability is like the number one thing. Like, help me out there. So you were you were you were partially looking for some connections to get out of your bubble as part of the mentorship program, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, as you heard probably on the Mike and Grace episode, they had said like, if there's no other reason, just sign up for it to meet people if that's what you need. Like that's, we're here for that too. And I love that because it's hard. It's hard to meet people. It really is, especially. Maybe it's just me, but I I have a hard time meeting new people. So. <laughs> no, definitely difficult uh, for me as well, especially now. Um, and then even online, sometimes it's, it's lower stakes in some regards because it's online, mm-hmm. but it's also, you have to be a lot more intentional about it. You won't just, you know, bump into someone at a board game cafe or, um, you know, at a, a restaurant, uh, if they're having a game night or whatever, um, you have to actually go after it if you want it. Uh, cause, or you can lurk, yeah, so yeah. Too, but <laughs> I'm, I'm curious what, like if you, what is your biggest takeaway that you would tell someone who who didn't do the mentorship program? Like, this is really what they should, you know, this is why, mm-hmm. um, like not for like for, I need this specific piece of help, or maybe that's what your advice is, you know, know exactly what you want, but like what kind of in general would you say like, if, if somebody said, should I be a mentee? Um, what advice would you give to them? Well, I mean, I feel like, if you're, whether you're going into the program because you want to get more information about how to make the best Kickstarter ever, or if you're going into it simply because you've been, you've had an idea or two for a couple of years, but you've never actually acted on it and you want some help actually implementing it. Um, or if you're somewhere in between or just thinking about game design in general, um, there always seems to be um, a mentor available that can help you um, mm-hmm. growing the way you're looking to grow. Um, so I feel like regardless of where you are, whether you're a beginner, pre-beginner, or even if you have years of experience and you just want to, like you mentioned before, connect with other people, um, they mm-hmm. have something for everybody, I'd say. That's awesome. Yeah. I, so I, I recently, uh, signed up to be a mentor, um, and was just like shocked by how detailed the, um, you know, Mike and Grace told me that it was really a detailed application process, but like, wow, like they weren't kidding. Like you really can put a lot of information in there. Um, and I got to feel the excitement too, of like going through and like picking out a mentor, like in theory, right? I, I picked three and maybe I'll get one of them or maybe I'll get someone else. And I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm not picky. Right. I was like, Oh, these seem like three people I could probably help, uh, you know, based on what they want. Um, but there's like that fear, right. Of like, like I would look and like, oh, this person needs this. Nope, nope, nope. I'm I I don't think I'm a good match. Like I'm I don't think I can help enough with that. Right. And uh that is uh that is daunting, I feel like signing up as a mentor for that, even though I know they don't just just sign up. It's fine. Um and I think people should. Um, but I, I can see why they get such good matches with all that data that they're gathering. Um seems like you were pretty happy with the match you had. Yes, <laughs> so <happy. laughs> Uh, and I signed up again, uh, and I am excited to meet my new mentor. They they have some pretty big shoes to feel, fill, but I feel like uh, right, right. <laughs> uh, I'm very hopeful because, like you mentioned, the matching process seems to be um, whatever magic they do, it's working. At least it's worked for me. 
Right, right. And it's cool that they, um, you know, I, I saw on there where you'd look and it would say, hey, I'm looking for someone in this demographic to be my mentor or, you know, I'm very concerned about that or I'm, I'm concerned about that, but like, I'll take whoever you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it was really, it was cool looking through that and seeing people's preferences because you can obviously see that. And I'm like, hey, I'm not going to sign up for that one because I'm not who they're looking for. Um, but that was, it was just really cool uh, looking through that and really seeing, um, you know, I, that everybody feels free to put those that information down uh, to help them get the best mentor they can, mm-hmm. um, and that Mike and Grace try so hard to honor that right is right. is really really cool. So uh, with with Jamie and I talked about uh, the mentorship, and um, they had said that they didn't meet a ton with their mentor, right? Like they got a lot out of it with a couple meetings that really were helpful. Still, um, how about you? What what kind of pattern cadence of meeting did you all have we did meet um essentially every other week for an hour to sometimes uh, maybe two or three hours that's awesome (laughs) questions yeah um so it was definitely nice to be able to talk that often and particularly if if there was a play test coming up or uh if i had some burning questions um we chatted on discord as well Ah, ah, yes. Yeah. No, that, uh, having that access to discord, um, and to meet with other people is, is great. I love that they've got that. Mm -hmm. Um, have you continued to work at all with your mentor since then? Um, so he does have, um, every other week in theory, sometimes it's longer because things and stuff happen. Um, right. right. A a board game night with other designers. He's either Mm -hmm. mentored or, um, knows from a couple different ways uh and so i've been able to go to um one of those so far um and i'll probably be going to more um in the future oh that's fantastic so so they've mentored others and you're and you're saying that they're kind of like let's keep this group going and keep, yeah. oh that's really cool mm-hmm. what a great idea i try and steal that idea if i do this more than once <laughs> like that's real smart you know <laughs> Um, what a, what a great idea to try and, you know, and then that just further introduces, especially newer designers to more people. Exactly. Um, and there are people yeah. that are pre-approved, right? Cause you could say, Oh, if my mentor gets along with them, clearly there's somebody that I wouldn't mind <laughs> hanging out with. Exactly. Exactly. Not worried at all when I go to those game nights. So, so what are your, outside of the mentorship, what, what are your right now? What does it feel like your goals are as a game designer? Um, so my goal, a couple of my goals, um, one is definitely one that I started out with in the beginning was I would like to take a game from idea concept stage to prototype to actual, like whether it's the, the game crafter or another company, but getting a physical Mm -hmm. version of that in my hands. That's like a fair one thing. Right, right. Um, you mean like a? Do you mean for like a really fancy prototype or like a self-publishing where you put it through Game Crafter with like artwork and things like that? Um. So at a minimum, um, just a really fancy prototype. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really start thinking about the publishing angle until I started talking to more designers and um, I started getting asked the question like, "Are you going to try to get your game published? Are you going to do it?" Yourself? Right, right, right. I was like, oh, I guess I should kind of think about that, shouldn't I? <laughs> uh, and I think it, it'd be great if I could get a game published. Um, but 
what I'm really shooting for is sometime within the next uh, couple of months to go to uh, a pitch project or competition or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of dip my toes into the the publisher pool, so to speak. Um, right, and right. Go from there. Excellent, excellent. That's those are good goals. I, so, it just occurred to me: Have you made physical prototypes of any of your games yet? Like, have you needed to do that? Made like what kind of quality? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like because. 2020 being what it was and i'm assuming you use probably tts for the most part is that accurate uh, well, um i well, try to right, right. I, I started with tabletopia i don't know why and then i realized that everyone's using tabletop simulator and i'm like oh i guess i should learn this thing now and so right yeah um, yeah but, and then you were like oh this is this is awful but it's what we got so everybody's using it okay exactly. all right yeah yep yeah, I've not been to a playtest or a pitch in the last probably four months where someone has not said, oh, Tabletop Simulator, oh, I love the love when it does this. <laughs> so. Oh, man, it's so true. I was doing a playtest one day and I had colored the pieces, but there was a bug. And so it showed up fine on my end, but on the people who were playtesting it, they couldn't see the actual yep. colors that I had. So I was like, can you fix it? And like, nope, it's just a bug. It just happens. I was like, oh, yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually just played a friend's game on TTS and it had the exact, he was like, he's like, okay, so you can see on the board and it was like, the board is blank. And he's like, no, it's not. He's like, I'm like, no, board's blank. Like, he's like, well, can you see everything else? I'm like, yep. He's like, but you can't see the board. I'm like, no, I I can't. Like, so he, I don't even know what he did. He reloaded it once and it didn't work. And then all of a sudden it worked. Like, I I don't know what we did. I was like, well, mark that down for how to fix that. Right. I mean, like, I don't know what happened. Um, The good thing is though, they pre-planned knowing that people would get really ticked off in there with the, with the flip the table button. Right. That way you can just, you know. That, by the way, is just right there and like anyone can click it. Like, that's not good. It's so, like, you know, that's a, that's a dangerous situation right there. Right, you know, at the top of the screen. So easy. Right, right. But yeah, I was, that's, it's interesting to me that like, you know, I come to think of it, I've made a lot less physical prototypes this year as well. Um, But, you know, when I started game, back when I started game design, um, you know, like, we mean we just like people i'm sure were using things like tabletop simulator i just was i'm just gonna make a physical prototype right mm-hmm. um and like a couple times we maybe play tested games over webcams but it was like super clunky and not really fun mm-hmm. um so so yeah the idea that like you're not gonna have to make a physical prototype for a while is um is interesting but that said um like I think that's something to think about for sure, because when you do have to, if you haven't before, like, <laughs> right. there is a, it's not a steep learning curve. It's just like, there's a steep, there can be, I know for me there was, cause I'm not super artistic. There could be a steep curve for how to like physically make that prototype. Um, and you know, because there are things there, are, I'm working at a game right now where there is a function in it. Um, that works beautifully in TTS and me and my co-designer are trying to figure out how we're going to make it work on a tabletop because it could theoretically require extra components that we don't have a budget for in the game. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll find a way around it, but it's funny to me that like 
Well, TTS just does this fine. Like right. basically the cards need to line up in a certain way and you can magnet stuff down so that uh, it all automatically lines up correctly. Mm-hmm. Can't do that on a table. No. Um, and we don't want big boards. So, um, so anyways, yeah, that is, uh, yeah. So there are benefits, but mm-hmm. yeah, the, do you have any, uh, is there, are there any physical things you're planning on in 2021 if they happen? So, so they're going to talk about having Jenkins. <laughs> what uh so Run right out to that yeah i don't think so um <laughs> and it depends on um i think if anything maybe later towards the end of the year perhaps mm-hmm. yeah, um yeah. but like things that are happening this summer um no i don't think so yeah. One of the one of the ones that actually might it would actually interest you maybe because you live in Michigan as well, um, Grand Con, which is up in Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. um, they are scheduled for late September, I think, uh, early or late September, one of the two. Um, very small convention. Um, I'm right now. I'm not planning on it, but like that's my like that's what I'm holding out hope for yeah. is that the that it's good enough that we could go and play games for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, in grand rapids for you know a while that would be great um but again i'm not super holding i'm like it's probably not going to happen or if it does happen i probably won't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. um but you know at least we do we can we can hope because i'm sure as heck not hoping for gen con like there's oh my gosh i don't see a scenario where like i mean you have people from all over the world right like Mm -hmm. Like you're just asking for trouble, like with all the COVID variants and stuff running around now. You're just like, let's just bring everyone together and like just have a hot zone. That right. sounds great. I get it. Like especially, it's been like literally in a month and a half, or maybe sooner, maybe later, depending on um, people, position, so on and so forth. But at least for me, it'll be a year since the whole working from home thing happened. Yep. Um, yeah. And then everything has been shut down, and you know mm-hmm. we're it's probably going to be this year will be a continuation in, in some sense of last year. And so right. like, I understand I, I'm tired, um, but uh, <laughs> so, you know, erring on the side of caution. So yeah. Next. No. Us too. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Um, so you may be, you may not have to make like a physical prototype of your game for like a year. It could happen. Right. <laughs> you could just be looking at next January, February. Um, um What's nice about that is, though, is, you know, I think one of the worst things about physical prototypes um, are, well, and I guess, no, I there's some benefits. So, like, with physical prototypes, you may end up doing a lot of, like, cutting and things like that. Like, if, if you're going to make cards, right, you got to print the cards, you got to cut the cards. You can't, I mean, most of us can't afford to pay Grain Crafter every time you want to do it, right? Plus, the turnaround time on it, I mean, they're they're quick. But like they're not as quick as like my printer, you know, that's right, right next to me here. So it's not as good a quality, but it works. Um, so so yeah, like you'll miss those first iterations where I think on TTS, you know, the first iteration is a huge pain getting stuff into TTS because there's a lot to do, um, especially if you need scripting or something. But, you know, after that, it's pretty forgiving in how you can just reload new artwork and reload new things and, you know, mm-hmm. um, so, so I think at least by the time you have to make a physical prototype of a game, you should be at a point where like, you may just be able to order it from the game crafter and know that it's going to be good and not have to, you know, really like do it at home. So there's that. 
some that benefit. Awesome. Cause it's, I haven't done too much of the messing around with physical prototyping myself. Um, I don't even have a printer. Uh, cause I usually use mine at work, but you know what happened with that. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's especially one of the earlier games I was doing was a card game that turned into like, oh, maybe hexes are better than cards. And so like cue me with like note cards and scissors on the ground and lots of little. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll never want to use hexes if you have to make them yourself. It's awful. It took it's awful. some time and some elbow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it changes so much. That's what I've because I'll usually start with ideas on paper and then move them into TTS when I feel like it's at a point where it, it's mm-hmm. still going to change yeah. uh, drastically. Uh, so I think, and then, you know, it, it changed the whole game, but um, right, right. it definitely, I feel like uh, it adds on, I guess, time, just uh, one version here, one version there and trying to get yeah. uh, them mm-hmm. to, you know, where I'd like them to be. Um, but it is what it is. So do you do, um, you know, if you're like, uh, if you're printing, I mean, not printing, not printing, uh, <laughs> but if you're, uh, if you're, if you're making some small physical prototypes or something, you know, cutting them out and stuff, um, are you just self-testing? Do you, or do you live alone? Like, I mean, like, do are you able to like play test with someone or are you a self-tester is kind of what I'm trying to get at there. Um, I am self-testing. Um, and so I try to do that until, I feel like I'm at a point where, okay, like I can't look at this and come up with any changes mm-hmm. from my, from what I'm getting out of it. Right. Right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Self-testing for me has always been something I've been really bad at. Like I have a really hard time. Um, you know, like I, I have a lot of like friend designers who look, like, oh, I just, you know, I just like to push some cards around, push around some cardboard and just, you know, like figure out what it's in. Like, I'm awful at that. Like, give me a spreadsheet and I can do great. But like when it comes to like sitting down and trying to like figure out like, how is this going to work? I do very little of that because I just, for some reason, I'm just really, really bad at it. So that's great that you're able to do that um, because that's certainly not a skill that we all have when it comes to the game design stuff. It's definitely been, uh, cause I, I even notice sometimes I get in my, in my own head, surprise, surprise with like, and I can <laughs> like, you're playing the same strategy you just played the last time you played the game. So like, why don't you play it as someone who wants to break the game or someone who wants right, to like, right. be conservative. Um, and so I definitely have to remind myself to do that because otherwise I'll be like, I'll look at the two and I'm like, this is exactly the same and not helpful to me. Right, right. Um, so here's here's the best piece of playtest. Uh, it's not even advice. It's an anecdote I can give you okay. uh, that I just thought of. This is one of my favorite things ever because you said, I'm playing with the same strategy, right? And we tend to fall into that, right? Like, like even when you're playtesting with a group, it can be very easy to say, like, I'm going to playtest this game again the way, like, I know it worked last time. So I'm going to try it again and see if it still worked. And there's validity to that, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because you're playing with different testers. Um, but back on the show a very, very long time ago, many, many moons ago at a Gen Con, uh, I sat down to play an early game of mine. I don't even remember what game it was. I don't think it exists anymore. Um, like I'm not doing anything with it still, but, um, we played against this guy that we deemed Cape guy. Um, because he was a man, um, in his probably forties, fifties, um, had a mustache. He had a top hats. Uh, I think he had a cane, but he also had a cape on, right? Almost like a magician, like an old school, like magician, right? Um, so anyways, 
I'm not I'm not in any way making fun of this guy's dress code. Like it's Gen Con, you know, we want to wear whatever you want, whatever. But yeah. either way, uh, what I am going to make fun of is how this guy played games. So he played two different games of ours. Right. And the strategy, uh, my friend, Neil, it was either Neil Roberts or Nate Darty. I think it was Neil Roberts, but I always say it's not Nate, my friend, Nate. And it's always Nate. And he listens to the show and he always calls me out on the fact that it, it was him that said it. <laughs> Um, so Nate, this one's for you in case it was you, or if it was Neil, you two can fight about it. Um, they, they deemed Cape guy's strategy, aggressive losing. Um, and so not like physically aggressive or mad aggressive, like he played the game in a way that was counterintuitive to everyone else. They almost guaranteed he was going to lose. And he did so just with like, like so much vigor and just so much excitement and exuberance about it. Um, Specifically, there was a game where the the goal of the game was it was like a zombie game that somebody had play tested with him, um, and uh, I think Neil did. And the goal of the game was to like zombies came to your yard, and your goal was to clear them out while you could get supplies. Um, and and instead, he stayed in his house and filled his yard with as many zombies as he could, um, which was literally the exact opposite of how <laughs> how to win the game. Um, and he was like, that was his strategy, and he stuck to it for the whole game. Um, and you know, we, we made jokes about it and stuff like that. And then we realized like, no, no, like you have to think like Cape guy. Right. So sometimes like with your playtesting, you have to think like the person who breaks your game, not even to win, but because they're playing your game in a way that like, doesn't just doesn't make sense. And mm. you absolutely can't always fix that. Right. Um, but it's still a question I'll ask myself about a game. Like if I was Cape guy, <laughs> how would I play this game and how bad would it be if I did that? Um, and sometimes it does not helpful, but there are times when you're like, Oh wow. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I think there's validity to that when you're playing, even when you're solo play testing saying like, I'm going to try this. Okay. I'm not playing the same strategy. I'm going to do this in a different way and see what mm -hmm. happens. Right. I love that. I will, I will, I can see myself already tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we talked a lot about a lot of things here. Um, so, <laughs> So you said, uh, back to the tabletop mentorship real quick. I want to touch on something. You said uh, you signed back up again uh, to yeah. be a mentee once yeah. again, uh, which is great. Like that's, uh, I think that there's there's no better advertisement for it than I did it and I'm going to do it again, right? <laughs> like I'm going to go through this process again. So going into it this time, what are you looking for that's different or are you looking for something different than you were the last time? I think this time I'm more focused on the pitching aspect um, mm -hmm. and more just becoming more comfortable if one ever does become comfortable with talking to publishers. Uh, right, right. Uh, versus last time it was just a general like, what do I do? Where do I go? Help. Right. Thing. Right. Yep. I And I do think that like, it really depends on the person. I mean, I've talked to a lot of publishers over the years and I'm still generally really nervous every single time. Like okay. I just am. Uh, but I've, I've sat with friends, uh, my friend, Isaac, uh, Shalev, uh, when I sit down and pitch with him, he's just, he's just, I feel like he just owns the room. Like every time we sit down and like, and he's just comfortable and, and you know, maybe he's not like, maybe he's just really good at hiding it, but it feels like, He's like, oh yeah, no, this is no big deal. Like, let's we're just chatting, and um, I don't know that I will ever feel that way. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, are you? Is it something you're you're really nervous about, or you're not, or 
you just want advice on what to do with it from your mentor? Um, definitely want advice. I am nervous about it for sure. Um, I think, and part of me wants to, it's almost similar to, well, so when I first started play testing, (laughs) (laughs) uh, the first time I did it in a a discord group with people I did not know at all, um, was with a game that I knew wasn't quite ready, but I'm like, I just want to do it. I want to get over with. I heard it's terrible the first time. Let's just try it. And, I got feedback for like a solid hour and a half. I, I stuck around to play someone else's game. And then I was like, and I'm done because like, it, right. this is a lot. That <laughs> um, but kind of similar vein where uh, I, this time I'd like to be ready before I do it. Um, but preparing myself <laughs> and getting to the point where I feel comfortable, quote unquote, um, whether it's a, with the, the pitch uh, there's so many different iterations of them, contests, speed pitching, evenings, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but feeling yep. as comfortable as I can be going into one of those with one of my designs. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's a really great point. There are a lot of different types of pitches. And then I think you'll find too that every pitch will be different because the people are different, right? Yes. Um, You'll get some people you'll pitch to that'll just give you really good vibes. Like they like your game, but really they're just, they're just always like super positive and nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's reassuring, but it's also not super helpful. Right. <laughs> like, like I like to leave a pitch and know what my chances are. Like feel like I feel good about this. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody I have pitched to before. Um, and like he, uh, what I love about pitching to him is he will just, he'll just like, you'll be talking and he's like, this one's not for me. I'm like, great. He's like, what else you got? Like, and like the first time I heard him do that, it wasn't to me. It was to somebody else I was with. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Like that was like, wow, that was, you know. And the more I thought of it, I was like, that was amazing. Like he just like, there was no like, let me try and sell you on this. It was just like, I don't think that's for our company. Um, great. Like, oh my gosh, that was really helpful, you know? Um, so yeah. Um, but you have to be prepared for that too, right? Because like at first you're like, oh, like what if that's the only game you had? Like then you're like, oh, oh no, right? <laughs> Very true. Very true. Oh my gosh. Um, and so that, and that yeah. that's something to consider, right? Is like how like I like to go into a pitch with with a couple games, right? That way, even if I'm you lead with the one, right? Like mm-hmm. this is the one I'd want to do for them, but it never hurts to have a backup. I've I've had publishers sign the backup game. Because they didn't like the first, like they liked the backup game. Not the, like I misjudged, um, and that's all right. Then you're like, all right, <laughs> you know. Um, Pays to be prepared, clearly. <laughs> right, but the first two years or so that I pitched, I only ever had one game to pitch because I mean that's that's all I had, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, and you know, for things like the speed dating pitching and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like yeah, I mean, you have to for those. It's tough because you have to know like this is how much time I have. I can have this much time for these two games each, right? And I need to, I'm, I really struggle with those because it's just um, that under the gun, like just makes me be like, oh, I don't know what to say. And then I'll just talk about the game. And they're like, I don't understand your game, man. So that, that was definitely, and sometimes I'm trying, working on it, getting better. Um, But when I was talking about some of my games, it's like, it makes sense to me up in my head. But sometimes when I say it out loud, people are like, wait, what? Um, Right. Work in progress. Um, And yeah, and then you figure things out like 
something to definitely work with your mentor on is like sell sheets and stuff like that are always like so daunting for me. But like, I finally feel like I figured it out a bit. Um, but that can be really helpful, right? Cause you, they, you go into the pitch with like, they can see something about your game that's right. worded in the way you want it to be. It's like your resume, right? Except exactly. for with pretty pictures on it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very true. Well, I would, uh, I would, before we run out of time here, I would love to hear about, um, about a game you're working on. So, and I don't know which one you're going to talk about. So I'm excited because it's a surprise. <laughs> so, so just, just one game, right? Just one. Yeah. Yeah. You want to save the other ones. Cause when you come back, you're going to have to talk about those. So. Oh, true. Very true. Okay. Um, so I'll start off with one of my, um, technically my second, but my first game that I actually kind of got together, uh, in mm-hmm. paper and also in TTS. Um, it's a uh, short and sweet, about 15 to 30 minute game called Macron Mania, a uh, two player game. It's kind of like Takenoko, but with cards, um, and it's essentially you are working uh, together to build uh, macrons in a centralized um, kind of decorative box. Uh, and there's oh, a certain cool. way that you put the bottoms down, that you fill them, that you top them. Uh, and sometimes in order to fill one that you want to fill, you have to fill your partners. Uh, and so a little bit of uh, forced helping each other, but it's all for the greater <laughs> good. Uh, and you have individual gold cards and the person who fulfills the most gold cards, uh, gets the most points wins. Excellent. What was the, what was the name again? Uh, Macron mania. Aha. Aha. Yes. Yes. That's, that's great. I heard mania and I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so tell me a little bit more about this forced helping thing. So you are, um, so you're trying to fill them, correct? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, so is it like a thing where you're filling multiples at once? So it's kind of like, well, I'm benefiting all of us by doing this action. It, it's uh, indeed you, and everyone does benefit. And it's essentially if you want to fill within a certain row, the same color in a row, um, you have to fill all of them of the same color. You can't mm. fill the one that you want to fill. And so right, right. Uh, might be helping out the other person. Um so, yeah, that was kind of uh, um, one of the ways, because I, I did want some kind of player interaction that mm-hmm. yeah. um, is kind of, I feel like it's neutral. It's not necessarily negative or positive. It's a mix of both. And so I'm calling it neutral. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if worst case, it's negative for the person doing the action. Right. But like, that's, I mean, that doesn't, that would take that to yourself. Like, that's not a thing. Like, that's fine. Yeah. You know, Um yeah, no, I like that. And I I like when you force players to make decisions like, is the benefit to me worth the benefit to everyone else? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, you know, any any game where they have that kind of action selection where like if I pick this, then X happens for everyone, like, mm-hmm. am I comfortable with that? Right. Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. So you said it's um is it cards only or um, so that's kind of influx. I started off with tiles and then realized that in person holding tiles isn't really a thing. And so it's, I've made that exact same mistake too. So we're like, wait, it's hard to hold a hand of tiles. Right? That's not easy. Exactly. So then I switched to cards. Um, but it would be uh, something I'm kind of kicking around is using, um, kind of wooden pieces instead. 
Um, oh, okay, yeah. Right? It's like it'd be more visually appealing. Uh, it's slightly yeah. more expensive, but not that much more expensive. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, I'm just thinking about the weight and the box are the other things. Uh, right, right. So TBD. Yeah, if, yeah, if you have to self-publish and then ship that stuff, yeah. I mean, if it fits in a flat rate too, that's, you know what I mean? There is that. Right. Like if you can fit in a flat rate shipping, at least within the U.S., that mm-hmm. works. Um, yeah, and it's it's interesting too. It's cool that you're considering, um, like many of us do, right? Like what is, um, you know, cards are cheaper and mm-hmm. easier to hold. Uh, but yeah, like wood bits, especially like with, with like, you know, painting or whatever on them, like, those can look real, real nice. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I so. do really like a nice physical piece. So it, it, it's really right, right. on the heartstrings or the purse strings probably. But <laughs> Yeah, right. The cool thing too is you could always also do, depending on the layout of the cards, if you went with cards but wanted them to feel more unique, there's always like square cards or something to where, you know, mm-hmm. like depending on the shape of everything mm-hmm. and uh, – you know, are you thinking like standard, like what, what would the wood pieces be like? Would they be square, circular, parallelograms? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Just circular. Um, maybe, oh, I thought I had a ruler back here, but not very large. Um, I, I feel like the whole thing, whether it's, uh, wooden pieces or cards, um, will definitely be in, um, a rather small box um okay. light yeah. maybe ideally the cost would be for consumers would be 15 no more than 15 dollars um okay okay what's the fun. what would be the what's the um like the like the card counter whatever you end up with what's the right now do you suppose it would be um it was 40 um oh yeah wow so, yeah yeah um uh, it started off a lot higher because i wanted it to be mm-hmm. like a two to four player um and then i'm like eh, it's not quite where it is a lot of with the it's so because each person does one thing and then it goes to the next person and so okay yeah. for two players is fine but that for four players and a bigger board it just seemed like a lot um and so right, right. It just works better as a two-player game Two player games too, you know, there, when I, I feel like when I first was designing, like, cause I'm really, my friend Rob and I were both really into two player games. We were married. Like I have kids, he doesn't, but like, still like I mostly play like adult board games with my wife, you know, um, mm-hmm. because we play kids games with the kids or like, and they can play semi-advanced games, but, but yeah, I was like two player games or games that play really, really well with two players are a big deal for us. And I think there's been a lot more demand for that mm-hmm. um, over the years, especially like a year like last year, right? People are starting to realize like, oh, wait, two-player games are a good thing. Like, right. You know? <laughs> yes. Why aren't there more? Uh, I'm sure, I mean, there are already more coming out, and I'm sure there'll be more coming out in the next couple of um, months, if not years. Right. Oh, I would think, yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, with 40, with 40 cards or tiles or whatever, you know, wood bits, um, yeah, that's, that's still 40 wood bits would still fit in a nice small box. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, got to get the wooden box or like the tin or something, right? right. <laughs> really make it fancy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. How about the aesthetic? <laughs> yes. Yes. Sometimes it is <laughs> no, really? on Kickstarter. Sometimes it really can be. It feels like, like, look at this great art. I'm just going to buy this game. <laughs> I had so, to limit my Kickstarter the- time. <laughs> Right. The nice thing too is if you did, uh, if you did Kickstarter or something like that, that small price 
makes it real easy as a instant buy for, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I mean, if it's 15 bucks, you're looking at 20 bucks with shipping, probably worst case. So that's, it's not bad, you know? Right. Um, yeah. True. That's I was also thinking if I do decide, um, to go down the self-publishing route, in theory, I've heard so many different, like some people, because of the smaller price point, it would be easier to go in with something like that. Um, but then uh, maybe in that middle, the 20 to $40 range mm-hmm. um, might also be a good, if it's a unique enough uh, or, um, oh, train of thought. Well, right. I, I, I think I get what you're saying. Though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, even if, even if I, there have been, there's been some stuff written that is said that um, games that are priced at $19 tend to sell better than games that are priced at $15 mm. um, because of that whole like brain trick with the nines, mm-hmm. um, which is something to consider, right? Like if you can get the game to where like you could sell it retail for 20 bucks, putting it on Kickstarter for 19, not so bad, right? Uh, now, if you're going to sell it for 15 retail, people would be upset if you put 19 on Kickstarter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so. Yeah. Um, but still, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to play with. You know, like the big thing is when it starts to get like over $40, right? Like when you start 40 plus, that's when it needs to have something that like makes people say like, this is a really good deal, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or or know that you're a publisher, they have bought your stuff before, they believe in it, right? You know, it's not going to be like, um, you know, like, oh, this is a one-time publisher and this game is garbage, right? Like, and I just paid sixty dollars for it. Exactly, exactly. I've, back in the early days of Kickstarter, I, I, I did that more than twice. Um, yeah, which is too bad, but <laughs> awesome. This has been uh, a super, super fun chat. Um, we've had here. It's been great getting to talk to you about everything, and uh, letting everybody hear your story and a bit more about um you know, tabletop mentorship and everything you did with it and, and where you're hoping to go, uh, with your design career. And that's, that's awesome. Uh, we look forward to having you back on, um, in about a month or so here, uh, once we cycle back through everyone again and, uh, you know, next time we'll chat about something specific that you've got going on that you want to chat about. And we'll figure that out. Uh, in the meantime, I'm not gonna, not gonna hold any idea, hold you to any ideas right now. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so I'm going to do the end of the show bit here. And, uh, so if you want to get in touch with the show, you can reach out to us at buildingamepodcast.com, email us at buildingamepodcast at gmail.com. You can call us at 770-TELL-BTG. Uh, you can check us out on discord, which is the main place I would love you to check us out. The community there is growing and it's exciting having lots of good conversations there. Um, Raven is even there, so you could even, you could even chat her up. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, um, check that out. Go to our website. It's got the link to that. So you can sign up. Um, in addition, you can also, of course, find us on the Twitter, uh, at podcast BTG. I am at J a Slingerland and Raven. What is your Twitter? Um, at underscore Raven McKenzie. All right. Well, that is nice and straightforward. (laughs) You, you people with the names that fit. I'm at J.A. Slingerland because Jason Slingerland does not fit because it's <laughs> I mean, too many stupid letters. <laughs> just barely, thankfully. You haven't got the underscore in front of it. I know. So, I had to. Someone else just, already you're just, had. You're just flaunting your shorter name than mine right there. There are a lot of Raven McKenzie's in this world, apparently. So. Are there? Oh, okay. All right. There are not that many Jason Slingerlands. No. So I've got that going for me. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much, Jason, for having me. This was yeah. great. Yes. Thanks again, Raven. And to all you listeners out there, good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 Hotel BTG. Please don't use the email.